0: Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, very fortunate to welcome A.J. Ratani, who started off, I guess, his startup career at Red Ventures way back in 2004, 2005. Um, stayed with them, left in 2017, and as many as you know, spent nine months traveling the world with his wife and uh, really infant son, and now is back in Charlotte um, working on his own startup, um, working on his travel blog and ebook that they developed as a result of the World Travels, um, and then doing some advising, investing in startups on the side as well. So, Sat down and just wanted to get AJ's story. Talked to him about where Red Ventures was um, when he got there, where it got to, what that life was like, and kind of what's next ahead for him. So really good, solid interview today. Um, we spanned, run the whole spectrum from 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 life at red ventures all the way to um you know traveling the world with an infant son and just the lessons that aj learns along the way and really solid interviews so i hope you enjoy today's podcast of the charlotte angel connection all right aj welcome um welcome to the podcast today yeah thank you thanks for having me yeah no absolutely so um, as a, as we were talking a little bit earlier, I told you I always get started off with the softball question, um, just to get the conversation yeah. flowing a little bit. So, um, if you can tell us a little bit about AJ, who are
1: you? Yeah, so I um, you know I grew up. I was born in India, okay. uh, but my parents lived in Dubai, uh, and I grew up in Dubai, uh, lived there. You know, when it was really a desert town, yeah, and there was really one tall building in the whole city, um, and I left just as. It was going ballistic. When was that? Uh, 20 years ago.
0: Okay, 20 years ago. Yeah, right. and
1: I came uh, to the U.S., uh, went to school in the U.S., went to Arkansas. Okay. So that's always an interesting question for people, like Dubai to Arkansas.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they're both hot, right? Yeah? <laughs> they're
1: both hot, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, the funny thing is, you know, when I land in Arkansas, there's a couple of, couple of interesting things. First time landing in Arkansas, I'm in, I'm in a crop duster. <laughs> Right, and it's these like propeller planes that making a lot of noise, and you know, coming in Dubai, like I always flew in like big Boeing 777s and like never used to such a small plane. And then you land you, when, you, when I'm landing in Arkansas. Uh, first of all, I see a lot of green, and like I have not seen that much green ever in my life because yeah. Dubai was all desert. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing was, you know, Arkansas did not have like any great airport then, so we landed like literally in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, "Where is this? Like, where is the city? Like, what have I done to myself?" Yeah, and then, <laughs> but you know, I had wonderful four years there. Uh, I had a great time. Um, I graduated from Arkansas. went to Florida, did my masters, um, and then you know, I, I went to Virginia for a year and a half, and then I came to Charlotte um, about fourteen years ago. So, what was your first job here in Charlotte? So, I came to Charlotte to work at. Uh, at that time, a little small company called Red Ventures. Okay, uh, it was a twenty-five percent company. I, I literally did not like where I was living in Virginia. Where uh, were you in Virginia? I was in Hampton. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Um, and you know, it's they call it the hidden jewel of Hampton Roads for a reason. Like yeah. nobody can ever find the jewel. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, I didn't. I just did not like the yeah. area. Uh, so I wanted to move out, uh, and I had uh, an ex-girlfriend actually in Charlotte, and I was I was pretty like surprised by what Charlotte was. I imagine it being like a small town, and I came in here, and it was this nice, young, clean city that seems to have a ton of energy. So twenty, you said 25 person company at that point in time when yeah. you started, so how'd you, you were in Hampton,
0: Virginia. Yeah. Um, you find a job with a small 25 person yeah. company in Charlotte, how'd you find the job? Monster.com. Monster.com. The site
1: really doesn't exist today. (laughs) Yeah, so I I just, and I was looking for jobs in Charlotte, and I find this company, and they seem to be entrepreneurial. I was looking for, I was working for the government, actually, um, in in Virginia, and I wanted something that was a much faster pace. Yeah. Uh, And so I... You found it. Yeah, so I I applied to this job. I I come in, um, and they offer me the same day. Which is, like, they would never do that today. Yeah. So, you know, I probably would not get through the interview process today, to be fair. Uh, but, but, like, I interviewed with four people, and they offered me the job on the spot. Okay. Which is surprising. Yeah. Um It was a pay raise. It was faster pace. And, you know, I sort of took the job because I felt like it would be a neat opportunity for me to do something different. What was your expectation on day one at Red Ventures,
0: right? What was... What did you expect to get out of the company?
1: Well, I, you know, I, so I was a developer then, right? Yeah. So I was a, a computer science major. Um, I was uh, developing for the web. Uh, and so for me, this was just a regular developer job. They
0: paid They paid you a salary. They
1: just paid me a salary. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I came in thinking, hey, you know what? I think I can make an impact, learn a ton, and and, and have some fun. But I, did, I just did not know. Like, it, it's hard to know what the future held Yeah. at that point. Like, it was just like, I just came in as any regular job would. Like, for me, it was, man, I, I get a big pay raise, yeah. and, and, and I get to move to Charlotte. So, yeah. hey, great. That's great. I'm all in. <laughs> um, so that was, so it was 14 years ago.
0: So that was 2005? Yeah, 2005. So what? Um, at what point in time did you feel different about it? Right. How long did it take you to realize, hey, this company's kind of building something really unique, and um, I've landed in a really good spot?
1: You know, I, it's hard to say because yeah. there's no like one particular time. Like you know, these things, you know, they. It feels like Red Ventures, as most companies, is an overnight success. Yeah. But you know, the company, the original company, was actually called Red F. Like I think it was founded in like 2000, right? And yeah. so these are like 20 year, overnight successes. And and you come in and, the thing I realized immediately was, a couple of things. Like I could come in and make an impact immediately. So I felt like you know I had real ownership of what I the domain I was given, and I could like do what I felt like was the best for the company. Uh, and the second thing I realized was I could like look at other parts of the business and not just look at the engineering aspects. So in most jobs, if you're an engineer and developer, you just sort of get pigeonholed. And you just do development. But we are a 25 person company, and I got invited into like marketing meetings because we we're trying to figure out how we can make some things work. I got invited into all kinds of other things. And and it started sort of started broadening my horizon on what's out there beyond computer science and all the things that it takes to sort of run a business. Yeah. So I felt I felt super involved. I felt super like I could have an impact. Um, and it was pretty obvious that, you know, like, the business I was originally hired for, which is DirecTV, was doing really well. Yeah. Um, I remember this day, uh, I believe, like, when we came, it was a couple of months after I came in, like, we hit 100 sales a day, right, which was a big deal, and yeah. so... Um, Did you have,
0: like, a bell to ring or something when you...
1: I know? think there was a party or something, okay. like, you know, it was, like, a celebration, Yeah. and then, you know, in a few months, we had 200 sales a day, right, and... And so it's crazy, like to see that growth. Um, and then, like within, I think within a year, I was moved to a different business, and I was asked to lead technology for that business. So uh, around that time, like I probably started realizing, hey, you know what? Like this, there's real growth here. Uh, there's interesting opportunities here, and I can really make an impact.
0: You go from a government job yeah. to. Um essentially
1: a startup yeah. what would you tell mom and dad back in Dubai? This is funny actually that's a, good, that's a really great question so I, so I was working for like the government job was with NASA
0: okay Right. so you're working for NASA you're yeah. going for a 25 so I was. Company. to be
1: fair you know, like yeah. I was working for a contractor who had a contract with NASA yeah. but I was working on projects with NASA Langley yeah. research center up in Virginia so it seemed like a great job, right? So, um, which is why like the, the guy who hired me at adventures was so excited. Like he got a guy from NASA. Like is what he said. <laughs> uh, but you know, like when you're in a government job, like one of the reasons I wanted to move was it was the pace was too slow. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't getting paid what I thought I was worth. Um, but when I told my dad, hey, by the way, I'm going to move in a job within a year and a half. Like you know, he is the conservative. Like even though he left his own job, which is Uh, funny like he's a more like why are you leaving so early like this seems like a great opportunity like why would you leave and i'm like look i just don't like it i'm i'm gonna take on more pay and a faster pace yeah Uh, and i I knew from the start like i wanted something that was a lot more impactful and a lot faster paced uh but their mom and dad dad especially was Like not a not a fan, not not ready for it. Yeah, he just like, and and you know, and it's funny too. You you look back now, and I remember when I met my uh, girlfriend, and now my wife, uh, her dad wasn't a fan. It's like, what's this company, Red Ventures? Like, you know, like her. So my uh, wife has an MBA.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So he's like used to, like big company names like IBM or, like, the Bank of America. Go get a real job. <laughs> yeah, like, like, who, why is, like, why are you, like, dating somebody who's working for this random, like, company out of Charlotte, North Carolina?
0: Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so, I think I've heard you say it before that um, <laughs> that you got lucky yeah. um, and landed, you know, with a company that went from 25 to, I don't even know how many employees they have, a boatload, right? Yeah. Um, have you ever flipped the tides and thought that Red Ventures got lucky by by finding you as well, um, and what that script means?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, maybe let me let me talk about that first point and yeah. why I think I'm lucky, and then I can that's fine. Go on the go on the other side. Um, you know, I, I just I just look back and I think, you know, when when you apply for a random job on Monster, right, and you randomly. Get into this company of 25 employees, and a lot of random shit has to happen that this company grows from 25 to 4,000 people. Yeah, and you have founders and bosses that give you the opportunity to not only grow but move beyond like being a computer science person, right? Like, so I got to run businesses, I got to uh, do a bunch of other things and adventures. Like, the combination of all that takes a bunch of luck. Yeah. Right? Like I could have gone to any other 25% company, and maybe we're at 40 employees today, and yeah. I maybe feel like, oh, we've grown a lot, but I would not nearly be at the same place I am, um, which is why one of, you know, one of the biggest things I tell y- younger folks is always go for the rocket ship, right? This is like Sheryl Sandberg. I think this is a story of Sheryl Sandberg with, I think, the Google founders or whatever, and they're like, hey, just jump on the rocket ship, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no, not, not Sheryl Sandberg. Uh, Marissa Mayer.
0: Okay. it's yeah. Marissa
1: Mayer okay. who like she after MBA she goes and uh, she meets like I think Larry and, and she has all these big offers and Google offers are less but more equity or something and, and the uh, the the founders I believe say like don't be stupid just jump on the rocket ship yeah and then she does and the oh, rest is history goes. right yeah. um, so in that way I, I believe like I got lucky and I did not know I was on a rocket ship too which is probably different too like which is why it's even more lucky yeah um but you know, I do. I mean, look, when I when I got the opportunity, I took advantage of it. I worked my behind off uh, when I was at Adventures. Um, I tried to learn as much as I could, and I do believe I contributed a bunch to their success yeah. as well. So I don't like. I don't think it's just a one way street. Like you have to hire good employees, and uh, good employees will give you back as much as hopefully you give them. Um, so I have I have I have looked at that, but you know, like you know, I think it's these things are. I mean, there's a lot of luck for me personally, but like to build a company like this, it's a humongous team effort. Yeah. Right. It starts from the top, and you just got to have a lot of great people at a lot of positions. So speaking of team, um,
0: how do you? So uh, you've been on you're president um, of Red Ventures for a while as well, yeah. right? Um, which means you need to fill roles to help you continue to grow the rocket ship, right? Yeah. What did you look for when you were hiring folks?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, you, and there are probably two buckets of roles, but, you know, like the... So the two buckets are, like, you know, you we look for some folks that are, like, purely generalists. Yeah. Uh, that can... You know, I call them athletes that really can learn as fast as they need to. Like, you know, we don't, like had mentioned, this, these things are changing as you get bigger, but most people when they expected, at least when I was when I was there, like you were expected to just come in and pick up stuff. And you're expected to dig in and learn on the fly, yeah. right? Like there's no real training program and um, you find the resources you need, you ask the questions you need to ask and you sort of go to the racer. So learning is a big thing. Um, I think the ability to fail and and be okay with that. Uh, you know, when you move fast, you're gonna break shit, and you're going to uh, make a bunch of mistakes, and you have to be okay with that. Um, I think if you are a person who probably cares, and, and by the way, I, this is something I have learned a lot about uh, myself as well. Um, if you care a lot about what other people think, and you're gonna be trying to play it safer, you probably are not gonna do as well. Um, like, I think we want folks that are prudent risk takers um, you know for the the other type of role I was discussing uh, you know those are probably more specialists yeah like you know like a really good technology person etc that uh, was as the
0: company grew right yeah, Where you started yeah. looking for specialists and
1: you certainly for specialists but we also even in these roles you still look for folks that are willing to push the boundaries willing to learn um, that can go fast um, yeah, you know, like the, the interesting thing with Red, even even around the time I left, was it felt like while we were oh, I think a three thousand plus person company at that point, it felt like a bunch of startups within a big company. And and the pace was the expectations and the pace was like we were a startup.
0: Yeah. How did you um you use the term athletes, right? Yeah. For finding people. Yeah. You, um, how do you know and how quickly did you know whether or not you had an athlete?
1: Yeah, I think the... Did you,
0: did you fire people or did you just reposition them or how did that work?
1: Yeah, you know, Red Ventures, and this, this probably goes for any company, I believe, like creates a unique culture. So Red Ventures, like, maybe like Google or like Facebook or any of these companies, they have, it has like, you can, some people call it a cult yeah. <laughs> like a cultish culture. Mm-hmm. But it's a unique culture. And and either it works for you or you, or it doesn't. And even today, like, you know people's opinions uh, can be very, very like extreme on company <laughs> like red, red ventures. Um, and so like to me, you know, when a when a person comes in, it, it's pretty evident quickly, like we try and like weed this out in the interview process, but it becomes pretty evident quickly as, you know, you ask them to take on a project how quickly are they going to go and like find the resources they need to learn whatever it takes about it how quickly are they getting back with ideas and thoughts on what they can do better assuming they get a go ahead to do something how quickly can they make things happen and implement things how quickly can they fail and and pivot and learn you know like th- those things are i think it doesn't take long to learn and how quickly they react like when they're under stress like when Rick Elias is Firing like ten questions at you at a business review, like how do you respond? You know, are you okay to say I don't know, and but I'll find out quickly?
0: Yeah.
1: Or are you gonna go and start like just making up stuff, that you know, like the, those type of things, like become pretty obvious. Um, and so, you know, you know, we to 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 me to maintain a a, a high quality team, unfortunately, not every person can make it. Yeah. Uh, and then the company is not for everybody. Um. And so, you know, we, you know, if there was a situation where we felt like folks weren't the best culture fit, um, you know, I think, we, I think we gave people plenty of opportunity. Uh, but at some point, uh, you have to have a conversation and say, this might not be the best fit, so why don't you go start looking for something else? Okay. And then we try and backfill with the next person. The next athlete. Yeah, the next athlete, yeah. yeah.
0: So, how does a company change going from, when did you leave? I left, uh, it's been almost two years now. How many employees were there when you left? About 3,000. Okay, so how does a company change going from 25 employees to 3,000, right? What's the, what are the milestones of kind of change? Um, or did it happen so fast that you can't even see
1: them? No, I can, and I can uh-huh. now, there are things I remember from like early on um, that changed, um, and you know, it's interesting because you try and keep, I think culture and building the culture is probably the most important thing that like, companies can do like, when they're growing. Because as soon as you start losing the cultural aspects of what made you successful, like it's all gonna fall apart. Um, so one of the interesting things I remember from when I, when I started at 25 employees, like Rick personally used to come and say hi to every person. Like we, he used to like literally go at every cube and say hi, um, and say good morning, every day, right? And, and as we grew, like, you know, you probably did not see Rick for a month. Yeah. <laughs> because he had, he was traveling, he had to deal with all these different things. Um, so that's one thing, like, you know, the, the founder, and, and CEOs, and and all the, the senior leaders become maybe lesser and less visible, and so it really becomes incumbent upon these divisions to feel like mini parts of Red Ventures themselves, right? Um, the, the other thing that starts happening is you probably become a lot more structured and more processed, like I just gave an example where I got hired the same day. <laughs> and it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, video. that doesn't happen anymore, right? Like we have a very structured like process on when people come in, it's uh, a whole day and you're gonna meet these type of people and you're gonna have, there's gonna be a big feedback session after and some people have come in like multiple times. <laughs> Uh, and then you get a job offer, and you know that's that's done by a, a whole like HR recruiting team, like the person that hired me, like she was an HR manager and she was the recruiter, and like she was like doing four jobs in one, right? Um, we also like we talked about this like the specialization like happens. Like I think it'll be harder for people. Like let's say a developer came in today. My guess is it'd be much harder for the developer to break out and become a business leader yeah. uh, today than it was when, when I joined.
0: At what point did that happen size-wise, right, where it became harder to, quote-unquote, break out, right? Um,
1: I mean, I don't, I just think, you know, 25 to 3,000 is 100x, yeah. right? And, and that just, grow, like to, I, I've always believed that growth creates opportunities. Yeah. Right, so that's why being on a rocket ship is so important. Like when you grow, you have all these needs that pop up that you can fulfill two ways. And in best companies find will use both, oper- both ways. So one way is you internally fill, and you ha- expect and ask people to grow yeah. in their positions, which happened to me. Or you hire people with the skill set from the outside. And typically when a company is growing that fast, you, you have to do both. Yeah. Right, you just can't hire enough people from the outside to fill the roles, and also if you just fill it from the outside, it hurts all the folks that were there, and we're excited about the growth. Yeah. So you have to like, like find the right balance between both. Um, um, so what was your question? Um, well, one oh, it... hard, hard to break out. Yeah. So I think the interesting thing is, you know, now they're probably at four thousand employees, and like great growth from now on would probably be hey, let's get to twenty thousand employees over the next. I don't know, like five to 10 years, right? So that's 5x. And you're still going to have opportunities to grow, but 5x is different than 100x. And yeah. that, that itself is the, the biggest variable.
0: That's an a, um, interesting measuring stick, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. no, absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so, a lot of folks have left, a lot of the original folks yeah. have left Red Ventures. A lot of them are still there. Yeah. Um, who stays and who leaves, right? What's the mindset of somebody that sticks around? Um, versus the, you and we'll talk about kind of your yeah. decision point to hop yeah. off in a little bit but um, is there a difference or is it just kind of what
1: people are seeking yeah I think I just think you know the company that you join at 25 employees is different at 3,000 people right yeah. and, and we, we talked about that a little bit like just things are different culturally it's different you see um, and and I think for some people, it is you love where it was at twenty-five and, and the scrappiness it takes to be at twenty-five and and you say, hey, by the way, like I want to build something like that again and I want to like be a part of something like that again. For some people, or like for some folks, it's just time for them to retire. Like yeah. There's some folks that decided that you know what, like they've done enough and you know they built enough wealth from Red Ventures and. They're gonna move on, right? Uh, and for some, for some folks, like the company, the needs of the company changed beyond what they were will, they could do or they were willing to do, and so it was a mutual separation. So I just think I think there are different reasons, yeah, um, for leaving. But you know, I've I've always believed like nobody is nobody's on the world permanently, right? On Earth permanently, yeah. So nobody's gonna be at a company permanently. And there's always going to be a time they join, and there's always going to be a time they leave. And I'm I'm always a big fan of celebrating people that leave, because it's people always celebrate when you join a company, yeah, like it's a big deal. But I also think it's as important to celebrate when you leave because you're likely doing it for something that's great, a good thing for you, and. You know, and the company enabled you to get to that point. And so I think that should be celebrated, too.
0: Successes should always be celebrated, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and generally leaving for something else is success, at least for the individual. Yeah. And, and that should be celebrated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you left. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the reasons behind AJ leaving. Um, at what point in time did you, you know, it's 2019 now. Yeah. So, um, you left two years ago? Yeah, 2017. So you, left, you left in 2017. When did it start to kind of creep into the back of your mind that, hey, I might want to get off the rocket ship?
1: Yeah, so, I, you know, I think, you know, I would probably say it was it was a long time coming, right? These these decisions are not, these decisions are not, like, made overnight. Yeah. But I probably started thinking about it, to be fair, like 2014, 2013. Um, and I started talking to my wife about it and saying, look, I think, and you know, I'd, I'd probably done like 10 different roles at adventures at that point, And I'd done everything from being a developer to managing a largest relationship to running our largest business. Um, and I told, I think I told my wife, look, I think I'm excited about, I have ideas and I'm excited about like sort of pursuing my own dreams and passion, right? Uh, it took us probably a year and a half to, like, actually have the conversation <laughs> with Rick. Um, and it wasn't an easy conversation by any means. Um, but, you know, Red Ventures had given me so much. Uh, and so I gave. Uh, and this is, you know, I've, I've talked about this. When I talked to Rick, I gave him a two-year notice. So I said, look, I'm not going to be here forever, but, you know, I'm willing to be here for the next 24 months. And then my plan is, like, in 2017, that I'm going to head out and do my own thing. Um, and so... So really, twenty fifteen to twenty seventeen was me like sort of living my last two years, which was a, a unique experience, too. Uh, because you start appreciating a lot of lot more things. Uh, you care like, like you become a lot freer. Because yeah. you know that you're gonna leave. So uh, I actually I actually think I perform better <laughs> like like uh, when when you feel like there's less. Uh, Less you care about it, it's it's a weird feeling. Uh, but I spent the last two years, uh, and then I left in, uh, so I was I was a CTO, Rick asked me to be CTO for the last two years, uh, which I did, and I left in June of 2017, end of June.
0: When did you start planning your, um, what was next, right? So you took a nine month kind of yeah. trip around the world. Um, so you give a 24-month notice, which has to be one of the longest notices ever. Yeah, um, probably
1: the longest yeah, in history. Like,
0: you sit behind Warren Buffett, who's been trying to strategize his for the last 10 years, right? Um, but, that's not a bad Fair. person to sit behind. Fair. Um, but um, so when did you start planning the nine-month trip, right? Because, I mean, shoot, 2015, you weren't, um, y'all were without kid at that point in yeah, time, right? Yeah. So, so my
1: wife, this is this, this is what made the conversation super stressful. My wife was pregnant. Okay and And I'm having a conversation about leaving a company and and obviously there was like like what if like he fires you and what if like things go like to hell and and, and so it was a, it was very, it was actually a very much more stressful time. like her dad was also dealing with cancer and like, it was a really really tough time. Uh, it probably I would probably say 2015 was probably the, one of the worst years of our life uh, but you know looking we Merrick we, and I agreed on the a ro- uh, CTO role. Um, it was great for me to get back into technology after, you know, I was out of it, like I was a developer, then I went out of it for like eight, nine years. So it was crazy for me to also look back and see how much I changed yeah. in eight to nine years. But it was, it was an incredible job. Um, I had a great time and we probably started this, you know, I always told my wife, like when we were, when, after I left, I'm going to take a trip. Like, that was my thing, like, and I've been working really, really hard, you know, like, I would say 12 years in Red Ventures is probably, like, 25 to 30 years in most companies. And that's what startup life is like, right? Um, And I was ready to just, like, take a break uh, and sort of clear my head completely. Um, Because all you think and all you breathe is Red Ventures for 12 plus years. And I was ready for it, like, to, like, really see what was there on the other side. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, my wife, like, she's now starting to believe, like, the things I say. Like, she did not think this was going to happen. She was like, okay, he's just talking about a trip, and by the time he leaves, he'll come up with something else.
0: Yeah. We'll go to Disney World or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Maybe take a small break, and he'll probably work on something else, or a different opportunity will come about. Um, But I was pretty adamant, like, I am leaving, and, and so... Yeah, we started planning, we actually started planning the trip probably in February uh, of that year, of 2017. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Natasha, I think, got a panic attack when, literally, like, she was like, like, oh my God, like, are we actually doing this? Like, when we first, like, put out our itinerary, like, a, a sample itinerary on an Excel file, like, she was like, oh my God, I can like, believe, like, we're actually going to go through this, uh... But yeah, we were, we, you no know, we, I left end of June and we left for a trip three weeks later.
0: Well, so that quick. Yeah. And then you were going for nine months.
1: And then we were gone for nine months. Okay.
0: Hopefully you've enjoyed the first part of today's podcast with AJ. I just wanted to take a minute and thank our sponsor, QC FinTech and Packard Place. They uh, do a great things for the entrepreneurship community here in Charlotte. Uh, Packer Place, a great co-working space and and really started off as the hub of entrepreneurship in Charlotte and at least in my opinion continues to stay there. Uh, QC FinTech obviously is in their accelerator program class number 10. Uh, They graduate this June. Uh, Please sign up to register to go watch their demo day. Their demo day is a free event. It's on their website. You can find it on qcfintech.co. You can also register for the full day event, which is a a full day of just great content in the venture early stage capital world. Um, I don't think you can go wrong by carving a day out of your life and listening to the innovation, the thought process, the investments and things like that that are going on. In early stage startup world, so highly encourage you to to take that day, go visit the website. Also, continue to pay attention to you know. As we rolled out our new blog, um, we should have a new event in June. Um, our next event will likely be a live podcast, in essence, live for the audience. We will record it and then push it out as a podcast. I'm having conversations right now with a couple of different folks that I think you'll find really interesting. And now back to the interview with AJ. Hope you enjoy. Um, you get back to the U.S. Um, when you get back, you kind of settle back in. Do you immediately start? Do you miss Red Ventures at all upon return? Or how did you... Kind of yeah. find your new cadence.
1: I mean, I'll, I'll say it's, I don't think this is controversial, but I, I have no regrets yeah. about leaving Adventures. Like, not not one at one point did I feel like that was a bad decision. Yeah. Or I felt so far. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like, what I what I've realized mentally is it is actually leaving when you leave a company and you've done and when you've done all the things you done Adventures and people like tie you and your identity to that company. Like, there is this weird sense of pressure. That, like, I have to go and do something big next, right? Like, literally, like you know, there were rumors at Red Ventures, and this I heard this from somebody that I already had my next billion-dollar company idea. I'm like, congr- I'm freaking taking a nine-month trip, like. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> had, yeah. Yeah, if I had the idea, like, wouldn't I just like go and start working on it? And you know, and I and I took that pers- and I took this pressure. On myself, like even when I was traveling initially, like I felt like I needed to figure out what's next. And at there was some point within the trip, I just said, "Look, I'm not. I didn't take this trip because I wanted to go and build my next company. I took this trip to take a break. And you know what? Maybe other people might be expecting something out of me, but I'm gonna do what's what I'm what makes me happy. And so I I decided to stop worrying about what's next. I said I'm gonna come back." To Charlotte, and take my time, settle back in, and then you know figure out things that I get excited about, things that I'm passionate about, and and start working on small ideas that potentially could become big someday. Yeah. Um, and you know I'd made i made a list of ideas. Uh, like I literally made a list of 120 ideas, and I'd whittle like this is all the stuff I done, I'd whittle them down to. Like my top five ideas. I did this before I left on my trip. And then I come back from my trip and I'm like, you know what? Like these ideas could all be and some of these five ideas I think could be billion dollar companies, to be fair. But I just don't think I'm that excited about them. Like I do them because they might make me money. And and I'm I'm certainly confident that I can execute and make it happen. But like I want I wanted to go after things that I wake up and I get excited about it. and where, and I've realized this now working on some of the things i worked on, that where grunt work doesn't feel like grunt work because you love what you're doing. And it's the first time in my life I've actually felt pas- that passionate about the problem I'm trying to solve, yeah. that uh, problems I'm trying to solve, that like... You can push through all kinds of things and then push through tough days and, and there's plenty of ups and downs when you go about trying to build something.
0: So you get back in two thousand and seventeen. You kind of slowly kind of process through some of this on your trip as well as when yeah. you first get back. How long? Um, how long did it take you to kind of slowly settle in to what you're doing now?
1: Yeah. So I, we, we, when I got back, you know, we had to put our son in daycare. Yeah. Uh, because like we both realized like my wife wanted to find a full time job. Um, and I wanted to work on a couple of ideas that I felt I would be excited about and, you know, I didn't see what it would do initially. Um, and so it probably took us, I would say like 60 to 90 days, like to really like, we had to, <laughs> we had to go through potty training. My, at that point, he was two years old, Yeah. Uh, coming back. Uh, it's funny because that was probably the worst thing I did as a parent. <laughs> uh, body training, it was so frustrating and, and typically I'm very patient with things and this was like... The worse yeah uh, so you go through all those things and then I decided to find a co-working space where I could like really spend my days and you know, meet other people that were working on similar ideas um, so I joined that and you know and then and then I started sort of working on two ideas that I felt and I call them passion projects um, because I felt like those were both projects that I were passionate about. And I would start and see how they would do, and then see where they would go, and my goal was to give both those projects a decent shot, and if they worked out great, if they didn't work out, then I would find something else that I'm passionate about, but i was I was willing to be patient, like I was not I need to go and start like doing something tomorrow,
0: yeah yeah so what's uh what one? yeah two projects, yes, which
1: one won so. The first one, and this is fun this is an interesting one that came about from our trip. Yeah. So we traveled the world with a two-year-old and you realize a couple of things very quickly. Number one, almost nobody with kids traveled the world, right? Let alone travel much. Yeah. Right? Especially with young kids. Yeah. Um, and so you know, we came back and you know we learned a lot through our travels. Uh, we, we went through all kinds of weird situations with him. We snorkeled with him in the Galapagos. We took a helicopter ride with him over Victoria Falls, like just crazy experiences, and and we just learned sort of what it takes to to travel with a kid, and and so I came back and you know, I did some cursory research online, and I just didn't find much about helping other parents travel with kids, um, and so you know we launched initially what was a blog about traveling with kids and, and really providing tips and advice and, and, and more, again, itineraries that are kid-friendly uh, and more for young children, really geared towards young children. And and so that blog is called the Two Idiots Travel blog. Um, you know, and the, the joke is that people call me and my wife idiots for taking a two-year-old uh, around the world. Yeah. And so we did it, yeah. uh, and so we just stuck with that name. Yeah. Um, and we hope to encourage other people to, to do the same. To uh, be idiots as well. To be idiots as well. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the blog, and it's doing relatively well, and we keep on, we keep on growing that. Uh, but it also sort of transformed into a project where we wrote a book about traveling with kids. So I'm excited to say that, you know, we've, we launched the book. The first and the cool thing about an ebook and digital book is you can uh, like keep on iterating on it. Yeah. But we launched the first version for sale, I would say, like in Jan. Uh, and we've sold over 1,200 copies uh, in over 70 countries across the world. So that's been fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we launched on the Kindle two days ago. So that's fun. So we have a, a the actual book on the Amazon Kindle store.
0: What's the name of the book?
1: Uh, it's called How to Travel with Kids Without Losing Your Mind. Okay. Um, and... Um, if you want to get like the the PDF the fancy PDF version the site is how to travel with kids.com okay so I don't know how that domain was available it was I took it um, and so so that's our first project you know my, my hope is that you know we'll see where it goes uh, but we we keep on plugging away to you know and, and this is interesting too when I think about this the project to me is driven by mission like the reason I'm doing this is because I want parents with young kids to travel more and nothing makes me more excited when somebody messages me and says I took my first trip inspired by you and that's happened now several times right Um, and it's funny like I want this business to make money so I can fund the mission Yeah. it it never used to be like that it used to be the other way around right like you just you do whatever you solve the problem so you can make money Yeah. now I want to make money so I can solve the problem and fund my mission so it's, it's become much more mission driven, and and that's exciting. Can you uh, can you see a world where it makes good money? I don't know. We, yeah. I can see a world where yeah. it makes good money. Um, I think you know, like the the key. I think the key is can we can we become a brand in the family travel space,
0: yeah.
1: and and can we be the start of a movement where parents are going to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to look at. And not just maybe us, but other idiots, you could call them, or other couples that are willing to take their kids around the world and, and or not around the world, or just travel more. And, and you know, we, we sort of create a, a real platform from where, you know, like if you are having your kid, you come to us to learn what it takes to travel. And especially in today's world where I think people care more about experiences and things and travel, like... And this is sad looking back. Me and my wife delayed having a child because we wanted to travel. Yeah. And I wish I knew now, then, what I know now. Like, there was no reason to delay it. Because we could have had a kid and traveled and had an incredible time. Um, and so that's that's really the goal. Like, could we be the destination? That when you have a child, or a young child, you're taking your first trip, or you're thinking of traveling, like, you know, you read... Books on how to parent, yeah. Could we also be a book where you maybe talk about well, how do you travel after having a child?
0: Yeah, well, you already are, right? You're you are a book,
1: we are a book, yeah. yeah but could we be that resource yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. more than a book, right? Can we be the platform yeah. that people can learn about? I mean, you can,
0: you can see a thousand different ways to monetize yeah. it, too, right? Um, you've got to build the brand first yeah. before you can monetize yeah. it. Um, but you're in the process of doing that,
1: yeah. The, the book is a small way to monetize, you can mm-hmm. you obviously have referrals and product stuff. Like, you know, we, we are selling a small amount of things via Amazon yep. uh, that uh, give us something. There's traffic, ad traffic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. Like, to your point, like, you know, I'm, I'm more concerned about are we reaching people and are people excited about what we have to offer? Yep. And are people responding to the messages? And are people, like, really, like, following us and messaging us and engaging with us, asking us questions? That tells me that we have something going on. Yeah. And so far, signs are pointing positive. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. So um, so this is passion project number one. Passion yeah. project number two is? I cannot talk about okay, it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Still kind of tinkering through it, or is it just yeah, kind of a so back burner? No, no, yeah,
1: it's, it's, we are, so the, the second passion project, uh, we've launched something. Uh, I'm seeing great initial response. Um, and we're just trying to build something bigger. Um, and when I say we, I'm, I'm trying to assemble a team around this project mm-hmm. that can really go and sort of see if there's something here. Um, and we're trying to build something bigger. And my hope is that you know in the next six to nine months, like we can talk about this. Okay. Uh, and I'm just... Once it comes out, there's a reason. There's, there's nothing like bad or illegal or any of yeah. that. But I'm just trying to keep this one under wraps. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So... Um... So let's kind of pivot a little bit. Um, so you were with Rev Ventures, You traveled the world. You kind of got your own passion project. You've got your own, I guess, kind of test startup Yeah. Um, that we'll find out about over the course of the next six to nine months. Yeah. Um, but you're doing other things as well, right? Yeah. So you are actively engaged with startups in the community as a mentor, as an investor. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that how did that develop upon your return?
1: Yeah, so this is—I started the process, this process way before I left Adventures. So you know, as soon as I realized I was going to leave, like this is like 2015, going mm-hmm. back then, I said, "Look, I—I I want to build. I potentially want to solve problems and build a startup, but I'm also excited about other people and helping other people, uh, especially with the experience I'd gathered and read." Um, and so I started getting involved in the startup community like back in 2015. In fact, uh, I think the first person I probably met uh, and who helped me connect to a bunch of people was Betsy Ittleby uh-huh. from Tech South. Right um, next door here. Yeah. yeah. And I, I actually like messaged her on LinkedIn just randomly saying, hey, by the way, like you seem like a great person to know. And and, and she was very, very, she was great about it. And, and we become really good friends since. Um, and so I just started building those relationships a couple of years ago, um, and you know, through those relationships I met Dan Roselli, I met a bunch of other folks, and and they connected me to startup folks that thought they thought could benefit from my background and, and what I'd learned at Red. Um, and I think in 2015 or 2016, uh, I sort of, somebody asked me to be an advisor. Uh, and I, I also went up to Raleigh and met a bunch of uh, folks there, mm-hmm. like Lister Delgado and, okay, yeah. and a bunch of uh, other folks in that ecosystem, a bunch of companies in that ecosystem. And then uh, I think uh, Pat, it was called Pack Purchase back then, now called Canopy. Um, Hunt Davis asked me to be an advisor uh, for his company. So that was my first advisory, okay. official advisory role, uh, which I took on. And then um, I guess I got introduced to to um, u Laundry in Charlotte, and they asked me to be sort of the second those are, two, those are two advisory roles I sort of took on before I even left on my trip. Um, and then, you know, so I, I took a trip. I sort of basically said no to everybody. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to uh, be gone. Yeah, I'm going to be gone, and yeah. i would be completely useless. Yeah. So I, I don't plan to advise you when I'm gone. And then when I came back, uh, I was immediately asked uh, to jump on the advisory board uh, of a couple of companies, uh, one in Charlotte called Ad Shoppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I accepted. John West is a really good friend of mine, um, and it's been great working with him. Um, and then a person I knew in uh, Charleston, um, and uh, called Boomtown, the company's called Boomtown, yeah. uh, ROI Greer, he's also a very good friend of mine, and I'd known him for many years since Red Ventures, um, and so he asked me to join as an advisor as well. Um, and so I decided, like, you know, after I come back, I'm gonna uh, basically allocate, I, I call it a day a month, for advisory uh, board stuff uh, and so you know I've and I, I also put a limit on a max of three companies I'm gonna advise at one time okay yeah
0: um, talk about what you mean by advising right um, you're sitting on the board. you're doing it ad hoc over a coffee what um what's your engagement look like AJ it
1: depends. it depends. It really depends. Uh, it, it really depends on what the founders need and, and what the CEOs need. Um, the way I think about it is, you know, my, my skill set now is pretty general because I've done, like, things from, from technology to product to uh, marketing to managing large organizations, whatever, yep. right? Um, and every, every founder asks for something different. Um, so a good example is with, with John. Uh, you know, we meet up for lunch, or drinks like once a month or so and Mm. then he wants me to come to his board meetings okay and that's what i do for him uh for the guys in in charleston you know they, they had a specific problem that they were trying to solve um and like my background like played really well to that specific problem and so i've spent most of my energy helping them solve their problem so i provided feedback on like strategies they come up with and say like here's what you know, what I've seen and and what things you should consider. Um, I've helped them find talent uh, that can help them solve that problem. Um, As long as, you know, my, my commitment, and this is what I've told them, is my commitment is no more than two to three hours a month. Yeah. So, on average, right? So, as long as we can stay within that, I'm happy to do whatever it takes. Like, I have no, like, I don't have an ego about, like, you know, like, if you want me to interview somebody because I have, done it before I interviewed interview before I'm happy to do that yeah like I'm happy to you know as long as it stays within the time limit
0: yeah yeah what how do you um, do you do it for free beer or do you do, how do you structure that part of it um, and I'm gonna assume it's different with with each company yeah
1: well. I, I've so I've come so my model especially seeing what I saw through the adventures and and what growth can create right? I've i just come to a blanket conclusion that the only true way to build wealth is through equity. Okay. Um, unless you're some somebody who can charge like five thousand dollars an hour or something ridiculous.
0: So you're not charging five thousand dollars an hour. I'm not charging five thousand okay. dollars an right. hour.
1: Um, it's good for the startups. Yeah. And done, right. Yeah. <laughs> no. So no. Look, no, I'm 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 open to like if if anybody wants to grab a beer with me, I'm I'm happy to do that for for anybody. Right. And, but. If you want like three hours a month of my time, that's that's a lot to ask for because at the end of the day, time is the most valuable thing you can have. Yeah. And so whenever it gets to a point where people are like, look, we want you to be consistently involved with our company, we want to make it public for whatever reason, we want you to come to board meetings.
0: Yeah.
1: That's when we start talking about like let's structure a deal. And in a two parts right? So from their end, they define the expectations in terms of what they expect from me. Um, and, and then we discuss, like, what it means in terms of equity. So typically, it's a small amount of equity that vests over a period of anywhere from 12 to 18 months yeah. or so. Um, and, yeah, and, and my hope is that there's a chance that some of these companies go to zero. Like, that's the reality of being a startup. Yeah. Even though most of the companies I'm working with all of them have like revenue and a real business model. A little more mature. Yeah, more a little bit more mature, because I think, you know, my sweet spot at Red Ventures was you're at a, a decent stage and you're like looking to grow, right, dramatically. And that I can help you with that, uh, with that. Um, and so, yeah, my hope is some of these companies make it big and the equity pays out well over time. How'd you
0: come up with that model, right? I mean, so you're Red Ventures, um... Did you, did you read books? Did you talk to other people? How did you figure out this is, um, and how did you walk into that first meeting and say, well, this is how it's gonna work? Or did you just kind of gradually just kind of talk your way through it, AJ? No. So the first... There's a lot of people that ask the same question, right? Yeah. How can I get involved in helping, advising, et cetera, et cetera, startups? So a lot of people are curious about how you've done it.
1: So the, the first couple I just accepted was thrown to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I had no clue, right? Yeah. And, and, and I did not realize the value, and it's not like they were very fair. I think both like both to you and canopy were super fair with what they offered. Um, but I did not realize, I guess, when I came back, like time became the most valuable asset I had. And you know, if I was only going to pick three, they better be worth it. Yeah. Right. And so for me, there, a couple of things. Number one, it was do I like the founders or CEO, and would I enjoy working with them personally? Uh, did I get excited about the problem they were trying to solve? Mm-hmm. And and did I feel like I could add value? Like those, if I couldn't add value to their mission or what they were trying to solve, like this is not worth either of our time. It's just going to end in a bad situation. So I would just say before you even think about like how much equity and all that, like make sure like you're super aligned on, on those things. Um, and then, you know, I just, I came up with a model, I guess. It's a simple spreadsheet where, I mean, the questions I ask the founders are, How many shares outstanding? Yeah. How many, like what's the value per share? What's the, hence you can come up with the valuation of the company.
0: Yeah.
1: And then you have to know the company well enough and the space well enough to know, well, if, if things go well, here's what the valuation could become.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And so I typically have a model which is worst case scenario, middle case scenario, best case scenario. Yeah. And then I say, well, if it gets to the middle case scenario, really the middle case scenario is what I look at the value per share goes from X to Y, mm-hmm. and in that, if I had, let's say, 1,000 shares of something, would I, would I generate enough wealth, I guess, or would the, the payout be enough where I feel like it was worth my
0: time? Yeah.
1: Right, and so I just look at, hey, you know what, let's say 1,000 shares, $100 a share, or $10 a share goes from 10 to 100, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great scenario. Yeah. Goes from 10,000 to 100,000. Well, you generated 90k if the company sold or whatever happened yeah would 90k be worth how much time I'm putting into this right and, and that's a simple calculation three hours three hours a month times 12 months let's say 36 months yeah is that worth for 36 months 36 hours of my time is it worth would a 90k payout be decent yeah or not so that's that's how I, I think about that and so Eventually, as you, as you become, if somebody wants to be an advisor, you gotta think about what's, what is worth to you, right? And, and what makes it worthwhile. Like, you don't want, ever wanna feel like, as you get into this where, and both sides, for both sides, where this wasn't worth your time. Like, you did it because, and, and my guess is when you start off, you have to probably take in, take on lesser equity. Yeah. Just because you have a showcase, I guess, your ability as an advisor. Yeah. But as you do it more often, like you know, I've been able to, you know get things that I feel is worth my time um, and push back on what is initially offered.
0: That's cool. So. Um, so you invest. I mean, essentially, you're investing in these companies with your time, right? Yeah. Um, which, to your point earlier, is as valuable as the yeah. as any one of us have. Yeah. Um, have you also participated in any um, direct investments, or has it mostly been with your time so far, you No, I've
1: done. <laughs> I've done some direct investments. Yeah. Uh, my first two, I've gone to zero. Okay. Um, and I, in fact, and this, is, and this is a hard lesson to learn, right? Like when CrowdFunder, I think it's crowdfunder.com, yeah, when they came out like yeah. and all these companies started listing on CrowdFunder, and, and you have to be accredited to do that and all that. And so I, I get excited about two companies and I put money in, and, <laughs> and they literally both flame out. Yeah. Um, and the third one is probably gonna at least triple or quadruple. Okay. So I'm gonna make at least, make money back back. Yeah. At least I, I don't know if I'll make a return. But then, ever since then, uh, I've decided that a couple of things. If I'm gonna invest, uh, I'm gonna only invest in um, like funds. Mm-hmm. So, like funds that invest in other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I, you know, I, I'm on angel list, for example, and they have funds that invest in like Y-combinator companies, yeah. like stuff like that. So I'll, I'll go down that path, um, or I will invest alongside advice. So if I am if I am being an advisor to a company that I believe in strongly, I'm happy to push put some of my own chips also on the table from a financial standpoint. So between you, I sort of did both. Yeah. I put I invested money in and I and I invested my time.
0: So if you feel strong enough to commit yeah. your time, you'll feel strong you may feel also strong yeah. enough to commit some capital to it yeah. as well. So I think I
1: think if I do individual companies, it's probably just gonna be companies that I, I am also on the advisory board as a part of the process because yeah. I also feel like then I have a little bit more control. Yeah, insight. <laughs> yeah, it's not just like hitting darts yeah. and it's... then hoping for the best, right? Like I think I think the like the lesson for me is, you know, the pitch decks always look great. Yeah, and and the stories always seem great, and you know, the companies I invest in, both of them had existing revenue, seemed to have a ton of runway. Um, but, like, the reality of this world is you're probably going to hit, like, at a lower batting average, especially if you want the lower valuations, right? Like, I'm talking about, like, 5 to $8 million mm-hmm. pre-money valuations. Yeah. You're going to have a much worse batting average. And then, for the companies that at the $25, $30, 40000000 million valuations that are going to have good batting averages, you're barely going to put a dent. They're probably not gonna even going to take you. Yeah. Because it's going to be too small of investment. So. Yeah. So I think that's just be aware. You're going in this world. You go. There's a big chance to, don't risk everything on one. Swing and miss. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna be okay, be okay with losing it all, and yeah. be okay with having one or two succeed out of ten or fifteen you invest in. Yeah. What
0: um, what do you think you learned along the way at Red Ventures? That not think. What did you learn yeah. along the way at Red Ventures? That kind of gives you, um. I don't know, maybe um, rather than batting 300 or rather than batting 100 like the guy at Bank of America does, you bat 250 or 275, right? Uh, How do you go from minor leagues to major leagues as far as kind of identifying talent? What do you look for that they might not look for, I guess is what I'm getting for, AJ? Just
1: from a talent perspective? Just
0: talent, when you, because you're, you know, when you're talking about advising a company yeah. you're committing your time right oh, yeah, yeah. and if somebody else is looking at advising companies as well yeah you're both evaluating three companies they choose this one you choose this one yeah what do you think your insight is that's a little bit different than they're missing out on
1: yeah it's a it's a good, you know i think my my guess is like i probably look a lot at a couple of things i probably look at the culture of the company um and I care a lot about about that aspect, like how nimble and how fast they move. And, and I would say, you know, it's like especially if you've been probably at the bank, like you just don't understand like the, what it takes yeah. to, to build a startup and what it takes, how fast you need to move to do that. So I definitely look at the cultural aspects uh, probably a whole lot more. Uh, I probably also, just based on my technical product background, like I think... I spend more time understanding the technology and, and the product and, and the problem that they're solving and, and really trying to get an understanding of whether this product, and, where, and, and combined with the nimbleness and the ability to like, change the product over time, like, can that be a, a decent fit uh, in the market long term? Like, those are probably the two things I think my experience has taught me that I apply to these things. Where's
0: um where's AJ in 10 years? I don't know. Man. Ha, where's AJ next week. Uh,
1: <laughs> AJ in 10 years. Uh you know my so here so here's some things I could probably say. My hope is that number 1 you know be you know my I hope we have a bigger family. Yeah. Uh me and my wife definitely want to have uh at least one more kid. Um, my hope is that I'm still working on things I'm passionate about, and mission-based, and I'm not chasing money for the sake of money, but there's a real, like, mission behind it. Um, I'm hoping I consistently help, I'm consistently helping other entrepreneurs um, and and making an impact there. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm hoping that I'm still learning, and I feel like, you know, like I just don't ever want to feel like, and which is one of the, been the best things about this journey right now is, I feel like I'm learning so much all over again, like because being an entrepreneur, trying to start something up, um, I just I feel like that the growth the growth in me is like back when we were at twenty five employees at Red, and and. And growing like, every day, I like figure out something new. Yeah. And my hope is I, I keep that, and I never ever feel like I've made it, or I've learned everything I need to. Like there's always to something to learn.
0: You still in Charlotte? Oh yeah. Okay.
1: I'm I'm pretty convinced that we have be in Charlotte. Yeah. I, we you know we especially after traveling the world. Like I would I would think Charlotte is one of the top cities to live in around the world.
0: So that's cool to hear yeah. you say. What um. You know, you kind of talked, you had, and we'll wrap up with this question, right? Because uh, we're running up our, uh, on our time limit. Um, what, um, you traveled the world for nine months. Yeah. You kind of found a sense of peace in that process, right? You realized that um, you didn't have to come back and start the next billion dollar company. Yeah. Um, what, um, what's been your, as you look back over the course of the last 14, 15 years, what's been your biggest lesson?
1: hmm i that's, that's like a very hard yeah. question, but I'll try and give an answer to that i i think for me personally in 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 especially in, in this context about people trying to achieve things yeah, and yeah. people trying to like build things um i just i just think i I've realized that I care too much about what other people thought um and I felt like what they, what they thought about me defined who I am. Um, and like I've come to the point where, and I believe this, like even though I'm trying to build something, the success and failure of my travel blog does not define me. The success and failure of my other project does not define me. Right? What defines me is how hard I work. What defines me is what I'm willing to learn each and every day. What defines me is how I can help others succeed. Like those are the things that define me, and and I think too many people spend, and including me, spend time in their lives trying to get to a point, whether it's with money or with like, I want to get to this position, and you care too much about what other people think because you make those things define. Your self worth and who you are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've just, I've decided, and you have to tell that to yourself over and over again like, these things don't define you.
0: Yeah. So, what a great lesson. So, um, thanks for being a part of the podcast today, AJ. So Thank um, you. This was fun. Uh, yeah, no, it was a good conversation. Certainly enjoyed it. Um, and look forward to having you back on in six to nine months so you can yeah. come
1: <laughs> tell us about your project, whether
0: or not it goes forward or doesn't. Yeah, so, I'll tell, yeah, I'll, yeah.
1: okay, that's. I'll, I'll commit to that. Yeah. Regardless of what happens at a project, I'll tell you. What was and, and, and where, where it's going.
0: It's the, it's the missing component that Charlotte has and, and I'd, I'd love to see it succeed yeah. um, but I'd also love to see it fail yeah. because it's the one thing I think that Charlotte's missing right now is a conversation about quote unquote failure, right? Because it doesn't, you know, to your point earlier, yeah. failure doesn't mean failure. Yeah. Failure just means you're one step closer to the next thing, exactly. right? Exactly. And I think that's the missing component yeah. of this whole conversation right yeah. now, but um, I agree. I don't want you to fail, but I want you to fail so I can have you on the podcast. So <laughs> I'm being selfish. So, anyways. But, or I
1: can um, succeed anyway, still have you on the
0: podcast. <laughs> i have you on the podcast that way too. <laughs> so, anyways. Well, thanks, Lady.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. Me too, man. Yeah. yeah.